Our series is called On Mission, and we're talking about the mission of the church as a whole, which is also our mission. And the last two weeks before this were kind of our intro to the series to lay a really good foundation. Uh, today we're talking about sowing gospel seeds, and we're going to be in, in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 8. Uh, and this part in Luke is Jesus has been doing his ministry for a while now, and he has taken some followers with him. And he's been training them, teaching them. These people, these guys have literally walked away from their livelihood, walked away from their families, walked away from their friends, from their towns. They've just been traveling with Jesus, itinerant ministry as he goes from town to town, spreading the word of the good news. So after a while of doing this, they had watched him do what he does. And now he says, "Okay, it's time for you to do what you've been watching me do, which is what I love about Jesus. And so we're going to start off in Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 9, I'm sorry, verses 1 to 6, uh, and then later on we'll be reading Luke chapter 8. But we're going to start here in Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 1 to 6. If you have your phone and it can, as my friend Adam Durso said a few weeks ago, it can glow at you while you read. Otherwise, you just have to listen to my beautiful voice. Read this. It says, And Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there. I'm from there, depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Love this. This is one of the first demonstrations that we get that it is our job collectively to do the work of the ministry. And Jesus is training his disciples, because he knows he's not going to be here physically forever. There's a time when he is going to ascend into heaven. He's going to send the spirit to empower them, but he won't be there to do all the work. And so he says, you guys, I want you to go out. I want you to try this. Go out. And the first thing that he says to them is proclaim the kingdom of God with power. The kingdom of God is good news to everybody. It's a message of this. When Jesus comes, we read when he quoted Isaiah a few weeks ago and he says what he's come to do. This is the kingdom of God. This is why it is good news when Jesus comes. It's a kingdom of no partiality. The poor are welcome with the rich. There is no class system. He doesn't look at your bank account in order to enter. There's no fee of service that is a barrier of entry for anybody. There is no partiality. There is a wiping clean of judgments. You are completely forgiven of your past crimes and your past sins against Jesus. And to do this, there is no cost to you. You do not have to pay for this. It is a free gift that you receive. This is good news. Judgment, everything that I've done wrong will be forgiven. It will be cleared from me that I can come as I am. There's no partiality of what kind of lifestyle I've lived, no matter uh, where I've lived, what part of town I've been in, what kind of job I've had, no matter what I've done, I can enter in just like anybody else. 
and I do not have to pay for this to happen. There's nothing that I can offer inside myself that can pay for what I am about to receive. So instead of making payment for it, he just said, you can give me nothing. Just receive it. What's great about this news is that they're not empty words. What's great about the kingdom of God is that Jesus says, go and proclaim the kingdom of God and heal. Or in the Great Commission, as we read last week, he says, all authority has been given to me. And he gives it to his disciples. What is amazing about the kingdom of God is when we go and we proclaim the good news to people, Jesus has come. His kingdom is here. What that means for us is incredible because when we enter into the kingdom of Jesus, what we are entering into is a joyful life, a life of contentness, a life that has a light burden and a life of peace with God and peace with ourselves. You know, I've seen people seen people in this very church live very anxious lives. Worry, 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 worry about everything. Hard to sleep, hard to go to work, hard to do everything. Paralyzed by fear and by anxiety. And when they've heard the good news of Jesus, and maybe that is you here, you've heard the good news of Jesus and you realize that when you have entered into his kingdom... Your anxiety did not enter in with you. And maybe this has been a process for you. But there is power in the gospel and in the words of God. It is not something that we just talk about that is theoretical, that has a lot of hype behind it, but no substance. It's something that when we preach it, it comes with power. In my own life, I can tell you, I grew up in a home, my dad is a pastor, and so I heard the gospel preached to me on a regular basis as a kid, but never really received it as my own until I was 18 years old. And I went into this understanding of the gospel as a very insecure, very defensive, very stingy person. And I still remember the day that I was praying, uh, I had responded to uh, the preacher's response uh, after he was done preaching and asked if anybody wanted prayer. And I'd come up to receive prayer. Nobody was praying for me. I just kind of knelt before uh, where they were giving prayer at the altar. And I started to pray. And I, I remember the power of God just going through my heart. And he was going through all the years of my insecurity, all the things that people had said to me. Justin, you're annoying, you're stupid, you're not going to make it, why do you do so poorly in school, you're not smart. These are things that people had said to me over the last 18 years of my life that had stuck with me, that had begun to form who I was, form the person I was becoming, form my character. And I remember sitting there before the altar just crying and weeping as the kingdom of God and this area of my life and my heart became real. Where Jesus came and began to mend the wounds of my heart, all these open wounds that I had. See, when the kingdom of God comes, what happens is death is replaced with life. And there are so many areas of death that we carry with us in our life. 
And many of us have had death spoken over us since we were a kid. You are ugly. You have no purpose. Maybe we begin to internalize this. I am stupid. I should just give up. You're never going to make it. When you encounter Jesus, when you encounter the kingdom of God, you encounter the good news, all of a sudden something happens where the death that you have experienced since you were a child begins to be replaced with the life that is the good news of Jesus Christ. And instead of hearing these things, you begin to hear other things. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. You are a son, you are a daughter with an inheritance that is eternal and amazing. You have purpose, you have value. You are grafted into a family that loves you. See, the good news of Jesus is not just something that we talk about, but it comes with a power that is there to transform and to change. In the proclamation of the kingdom, all the power of evil is broken, and God speaks life over you. And so when Jesus sends out his 12 disciples, he, be, he, he tells them, go proclaim this. Proclaim the kingdom of God. Proclaim it with power. Demonstrate that this is not just something that we talk about with words, but there is a power, there is a source behind what is happening and that is why I don't think you can truly debate with somebody to get them to believe because it's not just about words. You have to experience Jesus for yourself. You have to experience the truth of the gospel to truly believe. But Jesus says when you go and you proclaim and you see people healed and you see the power go with you, do not do this for personal gain. See, it's, it's really easy to take selfish ambition of the world and repurpose it for the kingdom of God. It's easy to take your selfish ambition that we naturally have from the world and repurpose it for the kingdom of God. And some of the thoughts that come when we do this, I give because I want more money. It's taking a selfish ambition and repurposing it with a layer of chocolate, the kingdom of God. <laughs> Who doesn't like chocolate? Come on. I preach because I want more influence with people. I teach because I want to be famous. I pray so that I can become powerful. Jesus says when you go and you proclaim and you see the healings and you see the signs and the wonders and the power that comes with you, do not do this for personal gain. Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have tun tunics. This is an age-old problem since the very beginning of the church. We see this in the epistles that some people would come to teach to a new congregation and they would extort them for their money. I've seen small group leaders where you would think, man, they're doing great discipleship, but the truth is they've just created a posse of followers that follow them more than they follow Jesus. When leaders leverage their influence to create servants for themselves rather than servants of Jesus. See, when Jesus sent them out, he said, go and preach and take nothing in return. 
Because he, he's reiterating this concept to his disciples that becomes the concept for all of time for the church. The gospel is a free gift. It requires no payment. See, the reason why the Reformation happened, the reason why there was a big split in the church is because the church started requiring payment. Church started requiring what's called indulgences. And you have guys like Martin Luther and Calvin and all these guys that said, wait a second, this doesn't line up with what Jesus spoke about. This is supposed to be a free gift that is given to everybody. And in a world that uses extortion where everybody has an ulterior motive, why are you preaching this to me? Why do you want me to come to church? Why do you want to give me this good news? What is underlying this good news? Jesus is saying he understands that the world is built around this give and take. And you give to me, you rub my back, I'll rub your back, and we'll be all good. He says, no, when you go preach this, receive nothing from anybody. Because it's not about what you're going to personally gain. It's about what's going to happen in their life. Don't worry about your needs. I'm going to take care of you. Worry about preaching the gospel and proclaiming it with power. Jesus is showing constantly this is a good gift and this is a free gift. And he says, if they do not receive you, shake the dust from your feet. That is like saying, wash your hands of the situation. If, the, if you preach the gospel, if you proclaim, if you've done your job and the person says, well, the town says we don't want this, we don't want to hear it. Wash your hands. But before you wash your hands, I want to ask you this. Have you actually preached the gospel to them? You know, scripture says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. There's this saying that has gone around that is, is a great saying, and there's a lot of good things about it, but it has been misleading, and it's this. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. Actions are certainly a part of our witness, but they are not a substitute for preaching of the gospel, and we have to understand that. That at some point, we have to proclaim the good news, we can act and be a great witness, and Scripture certainly says that our, our actions are a witness and a testimony to the world so that they know that the gospel is true, but there is something about the proclamation of the word that Scripture teaches us that we cannot use our actions as a substitute. And a lot of times what I have done is I have said, well, I have been very godly around those people, so if they wanted to know God, then they should know him. They should know that this is, this is good and they should accept him. But I've never actually preached the gospel to them. And so Jesus is saying, once you've actually preached with power to somebody and you've shown them the good news of the kingdom of God and they don't receive it, fine, you can wash your hands of it. But let us as a people not begin to wash our hands until we have actually proclaimed the good news to people. Jesus says earlier in Luke, as he's preparing the disciples to go out, he gives them a little parable. It's the parable of the sower. 
And he says in this parable, there are going to be four ways that people receive the gospel. In Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to verse 8, you can read along me if you're not, or listen. It says, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town to town, from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because no, it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, who has ear, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Later on in this chapter, the disciples are confused and they ask, what does it mean, what you just said? And so Jesus begins to describe what he means. And what he says is when you are sowing seed, that's like sowing the word. It's sowing the gospel. It's sowing the good news. It's sowing Jesus Christ into people. He says one of four things will happen. The first thing that may happen is some, it says some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. Jesus says when this happens, this is what that means. It says the devil came and took the seed before it was rooted. So the first thing that can possibly happen when you are preaching the gospel can something is the enemy can come in and snatch the good seed before it gets rooted in somebody's life. You know, Paul says we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities of the air. And so we pray against the enemy being able to come in and stealing the seed before it can take root in somebody's life. The second thing that can happen, Jesus says, some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And he explains this by saying people will hear the word and they'll receive it and they'll be glad. Just like that. <laughs> They're going to receive it with joy. But what happens is it doesn't have enough time to grow and take root. And when trials come and when testing comes, it withers away because it never had something to firmly ground it into the ground. Right? There may be people that we preach the gospel to, and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And maybe one month in, two months in, six months in, the first test comes. And that's why I always tell people, when you preach the gospel, you don't say you're going to be happy for the rest of your life. Because that's a load of baloney. Right? There are stronger words that I can use that you may get mad at me for. But just think of that one, and that's what it is. Certain emojis that describe this word. <laughs> right? When we tell people, oh, this is a, a life of happiness, it's untrue. It's a life of joy, contentment, and peace, but not a life devoid of hardship. In fact, sometimes it will become more hard because we are in a state of denying ourselves. Following Jesus, following Jesus is hard. We have to say no to things that we love and no to things that we think and no to things that we desire. That is tough. And so when the trials come, you're following Jesus. It's going great. You haven't talked to any for three months and then your phone goes off and booty call. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> 
You ready for me to come over right now? Oh, um, I'll be over in five minutes. When the trials come, the temptations come, and all of a sudden it gets real, like, wait, what am I supposed to be doing? God says he's good. And I'm having a hard time with my family or with my job. God says that he's good. And temptation and trials and testing show the root of the seed and we wither away. The third scenario that Jesus gives is he says, some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And he describes this and he says, people who receive the word and never allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit to mature in them. So they grow up in the faith and over time, the cares of the world, the pleasures of life and the riches come and choke the fruit of the gospel. I've seen people come to church, hear the gospel, receive it, but never allow it to change them. And you see the fruit of God. The seed begins to grow and to mature, but the things in their life that they have been called to say no to start growing with them. Man, I, I, I still am going to scream at people when I get upset. I'm, I'm still going to make sure that I get my way all the time. I'm still going to gossip. I'm, I'm, I'm still going to uh, hate my enemies. I'm still going to love the, the world and money. I'm, I'm still going to pursue my career over my relationship with God. I'm, I'm still going to check my bank account and praise depending on what number is in there. What happens is we receive the gospel, we believe it, but we never do the work of rooting out the things in our life that want to grow with it. And Jesus says when that happens, over time, the thorns and the weeds, they grow and they entangle the word and they root it out and they kill it and they beat it up. But he says there's a fourth scenario. In this fourth scenario, some fell onto good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And Jesus says this. The seed that falls on good soil are the people who hold it tight and honestly cling to it and love God with all that they have. And what he says, and they bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with patience. Some, some of this is speaking to us. Now, we have, we have wondered, man, God, when, when, are, when am I going to receive that power in my own life? And, you know, that, that, that insecurity or that anxiety or that depression that I hear about that is non-existent in the kingdom of God, where it says there's no sorrow, no tears, and no sickness, that it is good news to the poor. When do I receive that? Well, some of it may just be holding on. To the seed with patience, honestly clinging to God with all of your heart, saying, I've, I've been to the world, I've, I've been to all the things that the world has to offer, and I saw that those left me empty afterwards, and so now I cling to you because this is the most joy 
the most fullness, the most satisfied I have ever felt. You know, I was talking with somebody that was struggling with their faith in Jesus, and they asked me, why do you, why do you, why do you believe in God? I don't get it. You know, why do you, why not just go and go on vacation for the rest of your life, travel the world? Why don't you pursue other things, other hobbies? It's like, are you trying to say I'm boring right now? Like, what's going on right here? But no, they were, they were honestly asking because this person was in search of some kind of purpose and destiny for their own life. Thought they would get it in career, that didn't happen. Thought that they would get it in, in, in a hobby, that didn't happen. Thought that they may get it in traveling, that, that didn't happen. Thought they may get it, and, and so there was a next thing that the person was moving on to. And they asked me, well, why is it that you follow God? It seems like you have done this and you are set in it. And my honest response as I thought about it in that moment was I am most satisfied in him. See, the, when the gospel came into my life, it, it, it wasn't just something that I heard, but it produced a joy and a patience and a satisfaction that I never had before. Amen. See, in my story, I had went to other things looking for this. I had been to entertainment looking for this. How, how long can I binge watch something before I escape my reality and begin to feel good about myself again? For me, it was escaping. How long can I play a video game? Sorry, I'm millennial. That was a struggle that I had. <laughs> it gave me a false sense of accomplishment because I was doing nothing with my life. So I would play video games to accomplish something with myself. I would go to pornography in times of stress and need, thinking, oh, maybe I can find comfort and sexual gratification. But no. Didn't find it there either. Maybe there are friendships that can give me what I need to find that other people are just as flawed as I am. But when I found the gospel, that verse, that parable became true. is like Jesus said that when you find someone, a man in a field finds the kingdom of God, he is like a treasure chest that he finds in his field. He finds it buries it in that field, sells all that he has, and then goes and binds that field and then rejoices. And that's what it was like for me. I, I have found something that I can give my life to. I have found something that will never leave me dissatisfied. I have found something that no matter what temptations and trials and hardships I go with, I know that my God is with me, that he calls me son, that he knows what I was crafted to be. He knows who I am created to be. He gives me purpose. He gives me life. And at the end of the day, I can look back at every day that I've spent with him and say that it is a day I've not regretted. Amen. Be at everything else that I have spent time with, I look back and say, man, there are some regrets. There are some other decisions I could do. But everything that he has called me to, everything that he has told me to do, there have been no regrets. And so Jesus says that there will be a person that when you sow the seed, it will fall on good soil and they will hold on to it. Honestly, they will hold on to it with patience and it will grow and it will yield a hundred fold in their life. I 
And so there are a few things that we need to learn from this. The first is that we must sow the seed of the gospel and proclaim the kingdom everywhere and to everyone. There is no person that is within, without reach of the hand of God. You know, you'd be surprised the people that you think are the farthest from God I have found to be sometimes the people that are most readily to accept him. You know, it's the people that a lot of times you think, oh, they're, they're good. They're a good person. They do a lot of good things. This, this will be right in line with their life. And I, I've preached to them and they've been like, nope. I'm good. Don't need God. But the people that are far from God, the ones that know they'll never receive. They just seem so against it, against him. Over and over again, my mind has been blown. These are the people that receive. And the fruit springs up. We see a hundredfold come out of their life. We have to be people that preach the word to everyone. No one is off limits. When Jesus died on the cross and he rose, what we covered last week was this, that this was no longer a a religion for the Jews. This was not just something God was done with saying, you are, these are just my people. But he's saying this is now for the Jews and for the Gentiles. Go and proclaim to all nations, to every corner of the earth, to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, he says in Acts 1.8. It is not our job to make people receive the gospel. That's the other thing that we learn. If someone does not receive you, you cannot force them. You wash your hands of the situation. You've preached, you've done your job, you move on. You know, I think of, I talk a lot about my, my Union Square time, but I can't, can't get away from it. Going to college at, in, in the city, I went through Union Square every time, and you have those, the guys that bless his heart, that is preaching every day with a fire that says, a sign that says you're going to hell and you're going to burn. And God forbid you make eye contact with one of those dudes because they're going to come after you. The thing is that you cannot force somebody to receive the gospel. You cannot shout it enough in their face so that they just give up and give in. You, you can't Drag somebody into something. That is just not how God works. He doesn't force. So what is your, our job is to preach. Our job is to sow. Our job is to, to share and witness as much as we can. But our job is not to force. Because what does Jesus say? There, there are scenarios where the devil will come in and he will take the seed. What we can do is in scenarios two and three, we can work with those people. We can help water, we can help tend. We cannot be people that force. 
And the second thing that I learned is our job is not done after someone hears. Two of these scenarios is after the person hears the gospel, which means there's work to be done after someone hears the gospel. You know, in the Great Commission that we read last week, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all people. What he doesn't say is, go therefore and pray the sinner's prayer with all people and then walk away. And what we've done is we've regulated preaching the gospel to bringing someone to church, letting them respond to the altar call. They pray the prayer and then they go home and we never follow up with them again. But Jesus says, go and make disciples. That means preach the gospel and then stay with them. Pray with them. Read with them. Hang out with them. Eat with them. Confess with them. Show the person what it means to be a Christian, that this is not a life of perfection. This is not a life where I become good, but it is a life of depending on someone else's goodness. This is a life of saying, you are great and I am not. This is a life of of coming to God in confession and saying, God, I messed up today. I I, I gossiped about my coworker again, or or I I didn't believe you and what you told me to do. I I kept my mouth closed when you asked me to share. I I denied you in front of my friends again. When we become sowers of the seed, we preach to everyone. We preach everywhere. We don't force. If somebody says no, that's it. Okay. Thank you. Don't curse at him. I got to cover my bases. You never know. I've been been around for long enough where it's like, hey, man, please stop sharing the gospel with me. Well, F you. You don't know what's going to happen to your life. Blah, 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 blah. I've, I've been around it all. That's not what we do. And then we stick around. Being on mission means putting the seed as many places that you can go. Because guess what? There's going to be good soil. See, the lie of the enemy is that every single person that we preach to, every single person that we share the gospel and the, new, the good news to, every single person that we share the kingdom of God with is that the devil is going to come in every single time and he's going to take that. Guess what? That was one scenario of four. There is good soil that is ready to have the seed of the gospel planted. God is ready to grow. And the joy... The eternal life and the power of the gospel. We can see it in people's lives as they receive it and celebrate with them. The amazing goodness of Jesus Christ. Zion, Jesus has given us all that we need to proclaim the kingdom of God. We don't do it because we look for personal gain. We don't want to build a greater platform for our church or for ourselves. Don't be discouraged if people don't receive it. That's fine. But know that the seed that you plant that falls on good soil, 
you what? Rejoiced in heaven with the angels and with our Lord for that one lost sinner, that one sheep that returns, then for us, the 99 who stay faithful. And you will see a hundredfold return on that little investment of sharing the good news with somebody. My prayer is this. That God helps us sow this seed with everyone. That we wouldn't be respecter of persons. That we wouldn't be partial to who we sow with. If we read the book of Jonah in the Old Testament, that is a story about a man who is partial of who should receive the grace of God. God told this man to go to the people that persecute your people. To the ones that have tried to enslave you. To the ones who have conquered you. And go preach my goodness and mercy and grace to them. And Jonah says, I refuse. And he goes to the other side of his known world. But God takes him there anyway. And when he goes and he preaches the good news of the mercy and the grace of God, what happens? An entire city repents and follows God. I want to leave you with this action today. Find someone that you can share the good news with. One person. And just record what happens. They may say, I never want to talk with you again. Okay. Probably not a true friend. They may get mad at you. You, all right, I'm sorry. Won't happen again. But they may receive the good news. There may be next week a celebration that you bring with you. Now we can rejoice with the angels and with God saying, look who has received the good news of the gospel. And has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. I challenge us with this one challenge. Find someone that we can share with. And know this. It is not in your power. The power is in the gospel. It's not in how cool you are. It's not in how great your prayer life is. It's not in how many Bible verses you memorize. It is in none of that. The power is in the gospel. It is in the Holy Spirit. And church, we have been so diluted to think there's only a special few that hold on to the presence of God. And that is Old Testament thinking where the presence only would fall on the kings or the high priests or the prophets. It says in his word that the Holy Spirit has been released unto all the sons and daughters of God. And we all carry this with us. And when we share the gospel, it is the power unto transformation, unto salvation for a person. And so when we go into those conversations, don't think about how wise you will be. Don't think about how, how, how good your speech is going to be, how articulate you can possibly make it happen. But thank God, I just pray that your presence is here to transform and that I can just share the good news of what you've done in my life with this person. That there is joy, that there is peace, that there is healing, that there is freedom. And that you are ready and that you are willing to graft this person in into your kingdom where there will be no more sorrow, no more shame, no more condemnation. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that as you sent out your 12, you send us out to 
proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. There's hearts that need to be healed. There's minds that need to be healed. There's bodies that need to be healed. Father, I thank you that you have given us all that, you, that we need, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to be with us unto the ends of the earth. Lord, that we would be people that proclaim the goodness of God without discrimination, without partiality, and that we become sowers of seed. In Jesus' name, amen.